0: The Farm Advisory Service Podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business, and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government. Welcome to this Farm Advisory Service Podcast on the subject of alternative proteins for small-scale pig producers. My name is Ross McKenzie. And I talked to Jos Howdyke, head of the Monogastric Science Research Centre at the SRUC in Edinburgh. On this podcast, Jos explains the need for protein in the pig's diet. He also discusses alternative proteins and gives an overview of the Green Pig Project that he led. Thank you for listening and please remember it is illegal to feed any pig any catering waste. This is defined as always food, including cooking oil from restaurants, catering facilities and kitchens and household kitchens. If in doubt, contact your local animal health office. Jos, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us about your role with SRUC? Sure. Thank you very much. And uh, before I start, uh,
1: I would like to acknowledge the support from an EU project called Legumes Translated. It's a project that uh, facilitates knowledge transfer on legumes, both in food and feed systems. And and this podcast fits uh, like a, a shoe into that one. Uh, Yeah, my name is uh, Jos Houdijk. As you can hear from my accent, I am not Scottish, I'm not British, I'm I'm Dutch uh, from origin. I came to Edinburgh in 1998 for two years and not a day longer, and I've been there ever since. And my role at SRUC, uh, SAC as it was back then, has gradually changed from initially research focused only into a mixture of uh, lecturing and research and a bit of management. And um, currently my uh, uh, managerial role uh, hovers around leading a research team that we're calling the Monogastric Science Research Center essentially a group of uh, researchers and uh, research students that look after uh, research uh, and teaching in both poultry
0: and pigs. And that keeps me busy. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure it does. Jos, before we start getting into the protein side, crofters and smallholders rear sheep, cattle, pigs, chickens. Could you explain the difference between monogastric versus ruminant digestive system?
1: Uh, Yeah, sure. Um, uh, The the main difference uh, from a nutritional point of view is that ruminants have in front of their normal stomach and then the guts this big fermentation vessel, which is the rumen. And uh, ruminants have adapted to uh, eating lots of uh, forage uh, by creating that vessel, and as a consequence, are able to extract energy from the fiber uh, that is being fermented before the gut, almost. And when they do that effectively, um, in addition to uh, getting energy from that fiber, uh, also a lot of proteins are being produced in that fermentation vessel. And the energy is absorbed from the rumen and these proteins flow into the proper stomach and then the small intestine. In much the same way, uh, uh, after the rumen, uh, what we find in the pig, as well as in humans from that matter. Our gut starts with the proper stomach and then uh, the small intestine. So that is one of the main differences. The monogastric system uh, like in the pigs uh, can also deal with some degree of uh, uh, success with fiber but they do that at the end of their gastrointestinal tract in the in the hindgut in the large intestine there they can obtain some energy from fiber a bit less effective compared to what ruminants can do but the protein that is there being formed is actually not of use to the pigs. They excrete that with the feces. So these are the main differences. Uh, so if you if you consider, uh, therefore, that um, uh, ruminants are essentially a pig with a rumen, then you're not that far away from the truth.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. On this past podcast, we're going to discuss alternative proteins for small-scale pig producers. Can you explain the basic principle of protein and why it's important in a pig's diet?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, it has often been suggested that protein is extremely important because an animal needs protein. Uh, every animal needs protein. Also, we humans need protein. But effectively... We're we're not interested in protein, we're interested in obtaining the building blocks from the protein, which are called the amino acids. So, the the basic principle of protein in a diet is to supply the animal with the amino acids. And these amino acids will become available to the animal once the proteins are digested, are, are broken down into. Uh, sufficiently small uh, pieces that can be absorbed from the gut. And then after absorption, it's those amino acids that are being used for the bodily functions, for a degree of maintenance and especially for a degree of production. And in the case of pigs, we then think about uh, uh, producing uh, lean tissue uh, or, or otherwise meat. Uh, or in the case of uh, lactating cows, uh, producing milk. Uh, there, they produce proteins, but they do that on the basis of amino acids that come from the diet. Components component of these amino acids uh, that the animal gets from the diet can only come from the diet. Uh, the animal cannot make these themselves. And they are called the essential amino acids. Another component the animal can produce by itself uh, in in its metabolism. And these are called the non-essential amino acids. Uh, So therefore, uh, when you uh, break it all down, the main reason why an animal needs protein in the diet is to ensure that there is sufficient amount of essential amino acids for the bodily function
0: post-absorption. Okay? If we expand that further, could you explain the importance of protein, for instance, from a growing pig to a finisher pig and say a dry sow to a lactating sow?
1: The reason why it is important to um, distinguish and to look at some of these different uh, animal categories is that uh, animals at different size and at different levels of physiological status uh, require different levels of protein because they need different levels of amino acids. And so what we typically see in in uh, Russians uh, from uh, uh, going from grower pigs uh, to finisher pigs, that uh, a typical protein level could, uh, in, in the grower pigs could be uh, 17, 18%, but uh, for the finisher pig, uh, could hover between uh, 15, 16, 17%. So uh, as pigs generally grow older, the total level of protein in the diet generally reduces because they need less amino acids on a day-by-day basis. And if we can then go over into uh, pregnancy, um, uh, during pregnancy, the level of, of of lean tissue deposition in the form of of piglets is um, relatively smaller than the rate at that what is happening in the uh, finisher pick and in the grower pick. so a sow during pregnancy actually requires levels of protein typically in the order of thirteen to fourteen percent but if we then go over into lactation then protein levels increase again because of the high demand for uh, essential amino acid for making milk for milk uh, milk protein synthesis and there we typically have uh, uh, eighteen to nineteen percent protein. So depending on the physiological status of the animal, we do see different levels of crude protein. And ultimately, whilst I am talking about crude protein, crude protein is almost the, uh, the, re- the end game of having a certain amount of amino acids in the diet. And uh, we will come back to that a little bit later about thinking about what is a balanced diet. However, we always talk about sufficient levels of protein, but Actually, what we mean is sufficient levels of essential amino acids.
0: Okay. Thank you. Pig producers, they generally use compound feeds, small and large scale producers. They buy them from feed companies. What are the main protein ingredients used, and why do they use them?
1: It would be fair to say that in pig nutrition, there is a relatively high reliance on the use of soybean meal as a main source of protein. But that's not to say that uh, that is the only source that is being used. Uh, if if we look at the, the types of feedstuffs that are available uh, for the pig uh, nutrition, then we can think of uh, not only soybean meal, but also rapeseed meal, we can think of uh, the pulses, uh, peas, beans, a bit of lupins. In the young pig, uh, we can uh, think of some high quality proteins like fish meal. But uh, whilst these are uh, main commodities, if you like, in the rations of pigs, we also use quite a lot of co-products from the human food and drink industry, that are relatively rich in protein. And then we think, for instance, uh, about wheat feed, uh, which is a co-product from the bakery industry. Uh, we think about uh, 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 sugar beet pulp sometimes, which is a co-product from the, from the sugar industry. Uh, and although not used an awful lot, we can also think about the distilled dark grains, uh, which is the, the, uh, a co-product from uh, the distiller and the, the brewery industry. And last but not least, especially for the younger pigs, things like uh, dry skimmed milk powder and and whey powder, which is a co-product from the the milk processing industry. And that is therefore a very useful thing to observe that in pig nutrition, we actually use quite a lot of co-products. That otherwise would be seen as as waste, as uh, as a byproduct, and and could potentially end up uh, being dumped uh, in, in the environment for many many years, if not decades, if not centuries. People have used animals like pigs to transform these that kind of co-products that we humans cannot use ourselves readily into products that we can use. Uh, so. Uh, that, that's another root of, uh, of where protein comes from. The last part, which you've never forgotten, uh, is that in, in russians, we typically find a relatively high amount of cereals as well. We find wheat and barley and sometimes a bit of uh, oats and a bit of corn depending on, on, on where we are. The main reason for these sources are, uh, is to provide a certain amount of energy. But with them comes a significant amount of protein as well. Typically, uh, if you look at wheat and barley, uh, they contain about 12% protein. Now, that is, of course, uh, uh, almost four times less what you see in in soybean meal. But the amount of cereal that is uh, in a typical uh, feed of a, of a pig, that could easily be 40-50%, suggests that it does contribute, actually, something like 30 percent of the total protein that is being fed so a wide range of sources uh, uh, that provide the protein in in
0: the pig feeds okay that's great can you feed a pig too much protein and if so what effect does it have if any that's a very good question the uh, when we feed a
1: pig too much protein, we then first need to define, okay, what do we mean with too much? Uh, and the starting point there is, uh, uh, what we think is being too much is when it is surplus to requirements for the bodily functions, for the bodily functions of maintenance and, and, and production. And uh, that protein is then referred to a so-called excess protein. If that protein is already absorbed by the animal, Uh, so digested in the small intestine and and absorbed in the animal, and the amino acid that derives from that can be used potentially for maintenance and production functions, but it's all satisfied, then the animal has the possibility to transform these absorbed amino acids um, into um, a a little bit of energy. Uh, What the animal essentially does is it, uh, it splits off the nitrogen part from these amino acids and the the carbohydrate part of the amino acid can then be used as a source of energy. But then it needs to excrete that excess nitrogen and that costs energy. So that level of uh, excess protein um, comes with a degree of a metabolic cost of dealing with the excess nitrogen. There is another part that is not digested, but goes over into the large intestine of the pig. And that is where that kind of protein can be uh, fermented by the microbiome. And that fermentation, also referred to as putrification, is, is essentially a rotting of excess protein. In that process, there is, uh, again, still a, a little bit of energy being uh, provided, which the animal can make use of. But the, an amount of uh, toxic co-products that are being produced there is, uh, is significant. So uh, what, what do we see there? Uh, ammonia, scatol, indole, and uh, all other kinds of nasty smelling uh, products. I think we can all recognize that when we have had a a, a very large uh, protein meal by eating every now and then uh, a a bit too much steak, uh, that uh, uh, the smell is different compared to eating lots of porridge. The animal actually needs to detoxify that uh, uh, because most of these compounds are absorbed from the gut because they are water soluble. So therefore they go into the animal proper, into the metabolism, but these are toxic components. So the animal needs to to detoxify it and ultimately translate it into uh, urea that is then excreted via the urine. And all these processes require energy. Uh, So excess protein has... Uh, only a slight amount of benefit, but but more detriments, and should be, we should try to minimise that as much as possible.
0: Okay? Well, yeah, that's brilliant. Thank you. That explains a lot there, so that's really good. Thanks for that. And we're talking about small-scale pig production, and these crofters, small-scale pig breeders, they use, tend to use more traditional breeds, such as Gloucester, Spot, and Tamworth. These breeds tend to grow a lot slower How would you consider protein in their diet?
1: Uh, That's a good question, because in the absence of uh, knowing a little bit more about it, uh, 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 producers can be forgiven to um, use uh, uh, standard diets that uh, uh, the more conventional producers use. And when they do so, they essentially then feed a diet that has uh, relatively uh, too much protein uh, relative to the amount of energy that is in that feed, and the reason why that is is that uh, uh, because of the slower-growing breeds of their of their properties, and uh, the the outcome of that is that the products that are being produced, uh, the um, uh, the typical pork chop from uh, a, a Gloucester Old Spot or a Tamworth will have more fat compared to that of a large white pig for instance and that means that for every unit that this pig is producing in terms of weight gain it actually it's genetically designed if you like to put on more fat rather than protein relatively and if you then feed that animal the diet Uh, That otherwise is fed to a pig that is uh, genetically set up to put on relatively more protein rather than fat, then um, you quickly see that there is an imbalance. Uh, So, the the strong suggestion, therefore, for uh, the feeding of the more traditional breeds is to actually use um, protein levels that are somewhat lower compared to that of uh, uh, the conventional farmer. Okay?
0: That's great, thanks. Taking that a bit further, would you then, for instance, feed it as a young pig possibly a higher protein feed, whereas a conventional farmer would then continue feeding it higher protein? Would you, is it more a case you would feed it a finisher feed a lot quicker, if you know what I mean?
1: I, yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. So the the um the reality is uh, that when it comes to uh, uh, formulating feeds for these traditional breeds, that we have to recognize that the detailed information that we know for designing diets for uh, uh, the more conventional uh, breeds is simply not there uh, for the uh, the traditional breeds. Yeah. Uh, th- the suggestion is that the more traditional breeds are using diets are faring better at diets that have a, a lower level of protein relative to energy, then you might argue that uh, one way to approach that is to uh, start earlier feeding um, say, uh, grower feeds to your starter yeah. picks and uh, uh, finisher feeds to your grower picks. Uh, in, in, in my view, that would fit better in terms of what is being offered relative to what is being required and we will come back to that as well because uh, ultimately when we when we feed uh, something that is being offered in balance as much as possible of what is being required that provides the the best feed efficiency and the lowest uh, environmental impact but i think we'll come back to that towards the end as well
0: That's great. Thank you, Jos. And this is probably a question you get. In my role, I'm often asked by small-scale pig producers how they can reduce their feed costs by feeding, for example, vegetables, fruit, forage crops, grass and clover mixes. Do the likes of veg, forage crops and grass have any nutritional value which can reduce the amount of compound feed used?
1: In theory, yes. Um, Within the the vegetable waste, if you like, uh, uh, etc., you you will find uh, a nutritional value. But what you will also find is a lot of water. Uh, In general, the dry matter content of things like uh, uh, carrots, uh, potatoes, uh, cabbage, sprouts, turnips, and, and, and what have you, um, is much less compared to um, a concentrated pellet. As a, as a, as a whole commodity, um, the, the, the level of nutritional value could very well be only 10% of that of a, a, a typical grower pellet uh, ingredient, simply because there is lots of water that comes with the commodities. So, provided that you can actually uh, have sufficient intake to account for that, there is certainly a degree of nutritional value to be obtained. However, um, you probably are unable to get sufficient levels of intake simply because the, the animal doesn't needs to deal with all that excess water. Uh, uh, so that, that that's one thing. The other thing what you were referring to was forages, uh, and um, the, the, there is some suggestion that um, especially uh, when you're looking at, for instance, silage feeding, uh, that um, uh, for sows, um, uh, sows can can, can actually do quite well with silage and and forage in general. But that's because sows have a very well-developed hindgut, uh, where they can take quite a lot of of that fiber and turn that into energy. Uh, And as a consequence, Uh, sows can actually rely quite a lot on their hindgut fermentation to satisfy their energy requirements. And in in that way, um, sows and cows are more balanced compared to what people might think. The thing to observe there is that uh, uh, by feeding uh, silots, um, uh, you will do that in order to bring in enough uh, energy. But you don't bring Uh, ...sufficient levels of protein and therefore amino acids and uh, trace minerals and vitamins, etc. So you do need to keep your eye on uh, on these missing ingredients. But uh, some studies have suggested that uh, if you have a good grass silage... ...that uh, four kilograms of grass silage intake can replace, from an energy point of view, uh, one kilogram of typical feed nuts... And um, yeah, there lies uh, a priori a a, a cost saving, provided that you check your nutrients, that you don't lose out on specific amino acids or uh, uh, minerals and vitamins. So therefore, um, if you do go down that route, uh, consider that um, uh, you want to supplement it with a so-called balancer that provides... uh, a certain amount of uh, uh, protein mix uh, uh, and and minerals, trace elements and vitamins, etc. The last thing to note uh, is that uh, you do need to make sure and check that what what you want to feed is safe. Uh, If you, um, vegetable waste is fine if it comes directly from the producer, but if it goes via the kitchen, it's banned. Whether or not it has been cooked or whatever, that is almost uh, beyond the discussion. So if you have a nice relationship with uh, the local supermarket to get uh, batches of carrots that have not been sold, uh, f- absolutely no problem. If those carrots happen to go uh, with a-, a customer who decided, "No, I have too much. Uh, I I'll just gonna bin them," I'm afraid <laughs> that then is not allowed. Uh, uh, and you can already see here that th- this is a rather murky uh, area. So if If you have the opportunity, but you are in doubt, uh, I strongly suggest that you check your uh, local animal health office uh, uh, for uh, the right guidance on that.
0: Okay. Yes, that's great. That's a very good point. Thank you for that. As you said, your soybean meal is at present the main protein ingredient in pig feed fed in the UK. With environmental impact and high price of soybean meal, Using alternative protein is a really key subject. You led the Green Pig Project with other SRUC researchers to investigate whether homegrown pea and fava beans could replace soybean meal in grower and finisher diets. Would you mind giving us a quick overview on this project and its results?
1: I would certainly like to do that, thanks. Um... Bear in mind that this was a three and a half year project with only a couple of minutes of time. I will uh, try to give the highlights, okay? So um, the main driver for this project was try to undertake some work in order to increase the confidence of using uh, peas and faba beans to replace soya. So peas and faba beans as an alternative uh, feed ingredient for uh, grower and finisher pigs. And we started by uh, um, looking at a wide variety of uh, peas and faba beans uh, to ask the question, is there um, variation between peas and faba beans when it comes to uh, their nutritional value for for farm animals and pigs in particular? And we came to the conclusion that although we do see some variation in the levels of protein, uh, the, the, the composition of that protein Uh, The the amino acids that I mentioned earlier is actually very, very similar between uh, the wide uh, range of varieties of of peas and faba beans that we are um, uh, uh, seeing being grown in the UK. So from that point of view, uh, following uh, some further uh, tests also to look at their uh, uh, nutritional value in the form of digestibility, um, we came to the conclusion that when it comes to pig nutrition, peas are peas and beans are beans. And uh, uh, it is the protein level that will decide how much uh, to go for. But then the question comes, okay, how much can you actually feed? And in the in the feed industry, um, uh, there has been uh, uh, some studies done many decades ago that showed that uh, when you feed too much peas, you get uh, um, diarrhea in your pigs. Uh, you get an off flavor in the meat, and as a consequence, um, uh, peas were uh, deemed to be no good for for pigs. And and high levels of beans. Well, we we all know uh, from ourselves uh, that uh, uh, too many beans might give some uh, gastrointestinal upset. And uh, that wouldn't be any different in the pigs. So there has for a long time been a a kind of baseline knowledge on the basis of some earlier studies that suggested that uh, they are not good uh, in terms of uh, uh, feedstuffs. However, the faba beans and the peas will have uh, changed in their varieties. And the varieties that we're using now are not the same anymore from um, not even three, four years ago, let alone Uh, 30, 40 years ago. So in this project, we therefore start to ask the question, uh, how much of the current levels of, uh, the current varieties of peas and fava beans can we use? So we did a series of so-called small-scale scientific studies at both SIUC and with colleagues at the University of Nottingham. And we fed pigs uh, up to 30% of or 30% of fava beans, um, and at that level uh, removed all the soybean meal. So that was quite an, an, a risky strategy, but in these small-scale studies, we actually observed that the pigs were growing at the same rate, They were uh, f- uh, the feed intake was the same, so the feed conversion, the feed efficiency was at the same rate, And we could also measure um, uh, both in the feces as well as in the meat that these kind of uh, 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 myths around a negative impact on on meat quality and uh, uh, inducing diarrhea was absolutely not the case. If anything, we saw that when we fed a bit more uh, faba beans, we got uh, feces that were slightly firmer. And when we fed more peas, we saw uh, uh, some of these uh, uh, off flavor in meat actually being reduced rather than increased. So these myths were debunked. But then we also recognized that these kind of small scale studies uh, are done under very carefully controlled conditions. And the the acid test would be to do uh, some uh, larger scale commercial trials. And in this project, we had the unique opportunity to work with um, a, a large scale uh, pig producer who was uh, happy to, uh, uh, to undertake a, a, a large scale replicated trial. Um, and in a series of three trials, we uh, put about 1200 pigs through. From, fin- from, from starter, uh, about 30 kilos, all the way to slaughter, either uh, on a soya diet, so with soybean meal as the main protein source, or where all the soya mean meal was replaced with peas or with beans. The pigs performed identical. The pigs uh, uh, graded identical. The pigs were handled identical. The feeds were handled identical. The, the biggest message that came from the farm manager who said, I couldn't see the difference between the pens because he didn't know which one was which it was a proper trial and yeah. clearly suggesting that provided that the diets are nutritionally balanced, we can actually replace all the soybean meal with homegrown faba beans or peas and And that is, in a nutshell uh, that came out of the of the green pig project.
0: well, thank you for reducing it to that. It sounds a really interesting project, and we'll have links that the listeners can find out more about it if they do so wish to. Thank you, Jos. Yep. And the natural habit of a pig is to root and forage. Do they, in your view, pick up protein in the soil such as insects and bugs? or in woodlands when they forage the likes of acorns? Will they be getting at least some protein there? Uh,
1: They will certainly get some protein. Um, um, Both the scientific and the practical question is how much would they get from that? And if we were to know how much they get from that, how much can we save from our uh, uh, supplementary feeding uh, accordingly? And this is where um, we honestly don't know. No. We um uh, th- th- there is no data that can uh, uh inform reliably on this. I I seem to remember somewhere uh that uh, the-, the grazing and rooting behavior could supplement in the order of 10% of the daily allowance uh for for protein and energy but uh That is something I have brewing in the back of my mind, and it may very well be um, one of those uh, 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 observations from many decades ago that have never been readdressed. And um, uh, from a a researcher point of view, I have to conclude that uh, we certainly don't have current data how much that would entail. But it would be interesting to know, because if we If we reliably know that, for argument's sake, uh, 5% or 10% uh, uh, nutritional value on a daily basis, both in the form of protein and energy, uh, let's not forget that, if that does come from uh, the the foraging, then um, we can probably reduce, to some extent, uh, the supplementary feeding. You might argue, if you have pigs that are uh, um, able to forage in that way, um, y- you can almost do your own experiment. Uh, um, if you uh, um, feed them slightly less and you really don't see any delayed finishing or any uh, 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 differences in behavior and growth rates and uh, etc., then probably you were feeding too much beforehand. Or you actually made the pigs a little bit lazy yeah, because uh, feeding the pig what it can eat just because you put it in front of them is easier than uh, asking the pig, uh, go and find it yourself. Um, so the, there is a degree that you can look for by uh, uh, manipulating slightly what you do on a, on a, on a day-to-day basis and, 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 and look carefully what, how your pigs react but the bottom line is, we really don't have hard data
0: on that, I'm afraid. That's fine, thank you for that. On a recent FAS podcast, we covered the subject of future applications of insect protein for agriculture. Is the pig industry looking at insects as a form of protein?
1: Uh, they're certainly looking at it from a uh, an interesting new commodity point of view. Um, My latest interaction with um, uh, the UK feed industry suggests that um, uh, there is still a decent amount of further development of that potential needed before uh, there is a real uptake of that in the mainstream pig feeding. Because like with uh, uh, the reliance on soya bean meal, Uh, If insect protein were to become a a new mainstream uh, feed, and there is all reasons to think that that might be the case, um, what the feed industry would be looking for is a consistent supply in order to um, dedicate some feed bins uh, for that. Uh, Because ultimately, uh, at a feed mill level, If uh, there are empty feed bins, that is a cost. So feed bins are always full. And if a new thing comes along, then something else needs to go. Uh, And therefore, uh, they need to be uh, uh, extremely well informed and sure about uh, uh, such a a change into a a new direction. And the big driver there is consistency uh, and a continuous supply throughout the year which is one of the main reasons why uh, the animal feed industry as a whole has become so reliant on soya meal. What I also think is that if you look at agriculture in general, that um, most of the insect protein um, achievements will probably first be achieved in aquaculture rather than in land-based animal production. And it wouldn't be the first time if something that... uh, um, starts to go very well in aquaculture uh, then spills over into other animals as well so yeah they are looking at it but it will not happen um, uh, at significant levels yet that that is my view on it
0: thank you for that that's really interesting and we finally come to our last question and this is something you've talked about throughout the podcast is the importance of a balanced diet could you recap the importance of feeding a balanced diet and also why it's important to know about any alternative feeds you introduce
1: ultimately what we try to achieve in animal production if you uh, set aside uh, keeping animals as uh, as a hobby simply uh, to uh, enjoy their company uh, uh, that that's a different story and perhaps something for for another uh, uh, podcast at some point. But from a production point of view, what we aim to, op- 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 uh, to achieve through uh, a pig production is to produce a certain amount of uh, uh, lean tissue, essentially pig meat. And this pig meat will have a certain um, composition in terms of uh, the ratio protein to energy. And being a monogastric, uh, as the pick is, the best way of achieving that in the most efficient way is to offer a diet that has a relatively similar kind of ratio between energy and protein um, um, that you want to achieve in the end product. And from a balancing point of view, if that level uh, can be balanced as much as possible, then by definition you will uh, make the most efficient use of the feed. You will have the the lowest cost and the lowest environmental footprint as well. Because if it is not balanced, first of all, quite a lot is being excreted and that then ends up in the environment, which has uh, an an environmental footprint. Um, Plus, um, as I explained before about uh, uh, excess protein, when we are feeding excess protein, the animal is needing to put lots of energy in it to uh, excrete the excess nitrogen, which uh, contributes further to a reduced efficiency of production. So th- that is um, uh, the the key of uh, um, the importance of 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 uh, f- uh, feeding a balanced diet. The the other aspect, and that leads into the second part of the question is that if we look at the protein part, which is the one uh, that we're focusing on here uh, in particular, uh, the, the composition of the protein, the amino acids, uh, are also, uh, uh, also need to be balanced in a certain way. And ideally, again, balanced in the way how the animal is requiring it. And if, if a diet is completely in balance with uh, what the animal requires, then we refer to that 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 diet is in an ideal protein situation. And that therefore means that if you bring in a novel protein source that has a a different amino acid composition, you need to make sure that with that protein source comes some additional source of amino acids to, um, to, 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 to rebalance the balance, if you like. And and that is a key thing when it comes to feeding higher levels of peas and faba beans. Peas and faba beans are known to be relatively imbalanced for a very specific amino acid, and it's called methionine. And provided that you have in your uh, ration an additional source of methionine, and nowadays that could be uh, synthetic methionine, uh, you can um, uh, uh, remake the balance uh, of the newly fed protein in such a way that it closely matched uh, what is required. And that's what we did in the Green Pig project as well. Uh, the, we found that we could feed these very high levels of peas and faba beans in nutritionally balanced diets. So if you look at the feed formulation that we use there, Yes, they attracted higher levels of amino acids in order to to, cre- to recreate that balance. So the take-home message from that is that if uh, what you feed is imbalanced relative to what you need, then you can almost visualize that you probably need much more of the commodity in order to achieve what you want to achieve and therefore have lots of excess nutrients that not only provide additional cost, but also provide an environmental footprint that we try to
0: minimize. Okay? That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Jos. You've really explained protein in this podcast. I can't thank you enough. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much for uh, listening to this
1: podcast. I hope you learned one or two things about protein. And uh, I would like to say if you have any possibility of exploring alternative feed ingredients with your pigs, by all means, try doing so. But pay attention to what you feed, uh, especially when it comes to uh, the, uh, the levels of protein and the quality of it, because simply feeding high levels of protein is not necessarily the way forward. High quality protein at the right level is probably the best way.